Welcome to Caffeine, Crime and Canines, a podcast brought to you by two girls who love their dogs, love coffee, but most importantly, love true crime. Back in business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> love it. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, I don't even know where to start. I know. I feel like there's so much that's happened. You start. Um, well, obviously, I have had a baby in the last time we, we did an episode. So that's it's very different now recording. I've got like the monitor set up next to me in case she wakes up. But um, yeah, so there's that. Which um, is huge and exciting. Huge. And um, most importantly, back to drinking coffee. So oh. Um, that's really good. And it's now back to my, being my favorite thing in the morning. Cause I think I was telling you, it's like, I just loved getting up, having a coffee. Yes. That's actually the first, I've got a little note here. Ask Lockie back on the coffee. <laughs> so back on the coffee and it's, you know, it's really good. And the best thing is that monkey has, I don't know if it's because obviously we don't get as much sleep now, but he's drinking coffee as well. So it's like, we're having coffees together, which is like the best. I actually love that. Yeah. Because Tony doesn't drink coffee. No, he monkey like he'd have a coffee here and there, but now like I hear him every morning going to work and he makes one every day. So <laughs> And you know the smell is so good. Like I oh. love the smell of coffee. Yeah, yeah. Um and back to like my favorite combination of the um pot and parcel coffee pods and the Woolworths almond milk. Best combination. Oh. Wait, which almond milk is it? The Woolworths brand? The, yeah, the Woolworths macro brand. Oh, I haven't tried it's that. It's the best, like the best supermarket one you can buy. Like, oh, and no, I've tried them all. <laughs> okay, well, this is because I usually, I'm really, I told you, I'm really fussy. I usually always go Milk Lab. Like, yeah. even if I'm uh, go, getting coffee out, I'm like, do you have Milk Lab? Because yeah. I can taste the difference. Yeah. I, I have tried Milk Lab in my machine and it is, yeah. it is good, but I think that I don't know why, but I prefer the Woolworths one. Okay, I'm going to give it a go and I'll get back to you. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and Olive is a big sister now, so. Yes, that was my next question. How's <laughs> little Olive going with Elsie? Yeah, she she definitely loves it. She's not like overly obsessed with her, but I think that's a good thing. Yeah. She just like, I think she just accepts that there's just this new person in the house and she gives her little kisses here and there and she yeah. definitely gets concerned when she cries and like, yeah, it's, she's been really good. Hey, we have to post the photo of Elsie and Olive together. Oh, yes. Yes. So for our listeners, we got like a family photo shoot done and I said to the photographer, like, we have to get Olive in this because, you know, obviously she's like the first baby and there's a photo of Elsie and Olive and it is hilarious. (laughs) It's like Olive's just like contemplating her whole life. (laughs) We will post it this week. It's so good. Yeah. What about you? What's going on? Oh my god! I don't even know. Like back in the office, um, which obviously is like I, I just feel like I'm struggling to get back into a good routine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's been a bit busy, and I've been struggling a little bit with that. <laughs> obviously, it's got now. It's daylight savings is over, so it's getting dark so mm. much earlier. Um, another. I feel like I'm just going through struggles at the moment. So um, yeah. Hopefully I'll get my feet and, you know, like find my way. But I'm really excited to be back on the pod. I feel like yeah. it makes me excited. Like, do you know, it's something to look forward to. Yeah, so. exactly. And then I guess like in terms of crime news since we had a break, I remember um, when I was in labour, I was messaging you about Adnan. Yes. 
so I, I never got around to reading that article for obvious reasons. But um, so what happened with Adnan? So can I tell you, I actually, I did read the article. There wasn't that much on it. I think he was appealing. That was the last thing that I had seen, but I haven't seen any mm. news happen since. Yeah. Um, and they were testing new evidence. So nothing too new on that at the moment. Hang on, I'm just going to search actually, just in case I'm a little bit, yeah. So they agree, the prosecution have agreed to DNA test. Okay. Um, some items that Adnan had obviously requested to be um, DNA tested. So hopefully we'll get some results on that. And that's great news that they're actually taking the steps to look into these items. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is, yeah, which is huge. Also, um, this week, the Marion Barter inquest um, has been again, I think this is, the, this was the last week, as in, like, so everyone who will be listening on Monday, it was uh, the previous week that's just passed. I think they've just finished up on the inquest. Uh, and that, that guy, that Rick Blum, or whatever. <laughs> I might actually, I, I feel like that, that's off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure that was his name. Um, yeah, absolute dodgy. I think we need to do because there's been quite a few. The Lady Vanishes have released quite a few like updated um, podcasts since our last one. So maybe we'll um, pop just like a little one together just to give you the details on yeah. that. Yeah. Um, which I think, yeah, would be good. And then I'm just trying to think what else. I feel like there's been a bit of crime news. I'm just I like I can't think of it as yeah, doing it as we speak. Yeah. But uh yeah, I try to um I'll try and look into it for next week as well. Like have a bit of a list going for yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um I have I don't have anything else to add. I'm ready to get into this week's case. Me too. I'm excited. All right, are you ready to go? Let's dive in, Lucky. Police have called it one of the most high-profile missing persons cases in recent history. Melissa Caddick, an accused con woman who defrauded people of more than $20 million. Then, late last year, she vanished. Now, a Seven News Spotlight investigation is lifting the lid on what really happened. Wife and con woman. Melissa Caddick is one of Australia's most notorious fraudsters, under investigation and raided by ASIC for misappropriating investor funds. She was last seen going for a run in Sydney in November 2020. Melissa left her personal belongings, which included her mobile phone, wallet and keys. Then in February, her foot was found by campers 400 kilometres from where she went missing. DNA from the foot last night matched a DNA sample from Melissa Caddick's toothbrush. Now a Seven News Spotlight investigation is revealing new details, hearing from her victims. How much money did you give? Two million. Who is Melissa to you? My sister. And Melissa's husband, Anthony Coletti, who speaks out for the first time. Melissa Caddick was my wife. I can't keep silent any longer. It's time for the truth to come out. Michael Usher investigates in Melissa Caddick, The Vanishing. Okay, so today we are discussing the case of Melissa Caddick. For those Australian listeners, obviously will know this case very well because it's been in the news like crazy. Um, and there's that new Underbelly um, show that's been on as well. Have you watched that, Karina? Oh, lucky <laughs> I watched it. 
Uh, it's it so, so bad. It was really bad. And I watched it for our podcast. That's the only I could not have gotten through it otherwise. Yeah, it was all, really bad. I didn't even watch the second episode because I knew that it was a lot, a lot of it was made up. Yeah, just for the show. And obviously the acting was so so bad, so I didn't, I just couldn't. The um, whole thing. And can I tell you, sorry, that they they've obviously casted the husband. I, it was just bad. Like I felt like he looked so young, and I know he looks young in real life and whatever, but like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It was just horrible. It was really bad. And I um, love the underbellies. Like, I usually love them. Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting story, though. Like, I obviously saw it blow up in the news and I didn't really know too much about it. And then when they started doing the underbellies, I was like, all right, I better actually, like, look into this. And it's actually quite interesting. It is. So Melissa Caddick was 49 years old and she was a financial advisor who lived in Dover Heights in New South Wales, which is like a suburb of Sydney. And it's apparently like very effluent. Like um, I think there was a stat that said like it, it's got the third most highest income in Australia, like that suburb wow. or something like it's yeah. Crazy. Um, Melissa was married to a guy called Anthony Coletti um, at the time of her disappearance. And he was a hairdresser from Sydney. I don't think he worked all that much. Like I think she looked after him pretty well. Um, but he also was a DJ on the side. <laughs> Wait, and he's something else, and I lost my mind. Do you know what I'm going to say? No go. He was a. He wanted to be like a prawn farmer. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which made me think of Ken because I was oh like, God. I feel like that's up his alley. But yeah, a prawn farmer. I had to Google uh, what that was. Like, yeah. Okay. Prawning, <laughs> anyway, I don't even know. Anyway, yeah. So um, he wanted to do that on the side. Yeah, and he's also a DJ. And after all this blew up, he actually released a song about this whole like p- part of his life. Have you heard the song? I can listen to it. It's pretty oh, bad. It is it's, so bad. Oh god. Um. Yeah. So before Melissa was married to Anthony, she was married to um, a guy called Tony Caddick. Obviously, that's where her surname come from comes from. And obviously with the Tony thing. So we'll call her current husband, Anthony, and her previous husband, Tony. So Tony was originally from England and Melissa and Tony actually lived in England for a brief amount of time um, and there they had their son together. I couldn't find any information about him. Obviously he's probably under 18 and it's all been censored. Yeah, and um, even in Underbelly, I think they've changed his name. Yeah. So the only thing I could find on him is that he goes to like a really like expensive private school in Sydney. Yeah. 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 So um, it's reported that during the time that she was living in England with her husband at the time, Tony, um, she told Tony that she was traveling to Switzerland for a conference. She'd been not working to raise their son. And she told her husband that she wanted to get back into it. And to do that, she wanted to go to this conference in Switzerland. But this was a lie. She actually travelled to Paris and she travelled there to meet her now husband, Anthony Coletti. Um, so they obviously had a, a relationship affair or whatever, like long before she went, came to Australia. Because he was her hairdresser. Yeah. That's how it started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So her husband at the time, Tony, found out that um, Melissa had actually paid for Anthony's international travel expenses to come to Paris to continue their affair. Um, and then he obviously like confronted her about it when she got home and their marriage ended and she moved back to Australia with their son. You know how he found out as well, which I, what other freaking chances that she happened to be in Paris with her lover and she was at the same restaurant as his friends. Yeah. And, and yeah. 
and they took a photo and sent it to him like, ah, oh, your wife's here with like another man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Crazy. That, that's when, you know, it's, it's meant, you know, it was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Type of thing. Um, so Tony and Melissa divorced in 2013 and later that year, Melissa married Anthony. So upon moving back to Australia, she began working as a financial advisor or a financial in- investor for a number of clients and they primarily were her friends and family to begin with. And it's reported that between 2012 and 2019, Melissa had stolen a total of approximately, like I don't think this figure is like 100% known, but approximately $30 million from her clients. What the oh, mad? Like this is crazy. It's crazy. And do you know she used to tell like her like family and friends like because obviously she, you know, was living like the high life mm. that she had like made some sort of um program and it was so good that the super some superannuation company had bought it off her, yeah. and that's where she got all her money from. And she couldn't. I don't know. I don't know if she couldn't invest in that program because she had sold it, but she could probably invest for her family and friends into it so they could get some money back or something as well. Yeah. And the people that she, the clients that she had included her elderly parents as well. Yeah. And her brother. And her brother. Yeah. So what her kind of, this whole Ponzi scheme was, is that she would tell clients that she would manage share portfolios for them so they would give her money a lot of the times it was life savings or whatever she then fabricated like a share portfolio for them and would like fabricate like digital statements of these share portfolios she created fake account numbers um and would send them updates that she was receiving like positive returns on all these investments for them so they just thought that they'd given her their money and it was going up and up and up and up and up and she managed this share portfolio for them. That's when, a bit of work. She was doing this for all her clients. Yeah, yeah. And and she was obviously just taking the money that they'd given her. Yeah. But pr- primarily her whole job, she was pr- pretty much just sitting there making fake documents. <laughs> to On send, Excel. Apparently she used Excel. To send to people. <laughs> um, so that was kind of her whole Ponzi scheme thing. And this money that she'd taken from people, she used this money to purchase two Sydney homes, both in really amazing suburbs. She bought luxury cars, like she bought cars for her husband, Anthony, um, and her like thing that she really liked was like designer clothes and designer like jewellery. It was yes. like her main thing. She spent 250 grand at Dior. Yeah. Like what the heck? Yeah, she just loved it. And do you know what else actually? I, one of, like one of her other things I was looking like through just some of her spending and one of them is 25,000 on protein shakes. Like <laughs> what sort of protein shakes are these? Oh, she just like to spend money, yeah. Yeah, she's just one of those people that spent money. And also, sorry, just quickly, which because this makes me like sort of I guess – because I was like, how is this even happening? Like, as in, like, not how people falling for it, but how is she getting away with it? Yeah. And she used to, like, with the clients, she'd make out, like, that it was, like, an exclusive club. So people would ask her to get involved and she'd say no. Like, mm. it, you know what I mean? Like, the psychology of it is so interesting. Yeah. She did, like, just manipulated people to yeah. think that she was just this amazing, like, investor or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the Federal Court of Australia discovered that her, like she was gaining obviously money each year, like quite significantly and her most profitable, profitable year was 2019. And I think this is when like 
the ASIC agents kind of sparked their interest in her specifically. And on the 11th of November in 2019, the ASIC agents along with the Australian Federal Police raided her home and because they had suspicion that she was running this Ponzi scheme and they'd received an anonymous tip about this. Um, so she operated under her, a company that she supposedly owned called Mal- Maliva or Maliva. I'm not sure how um, you pronounce it. Um, but this company was reportedly operating without a financial license. Apparently she just like plucked a random number out of the air and it was actually somebody else's financial license number. But she was just telling people that this was like hers. You know, and do you know that the actual lady's number that she stole? See, this is like, I don't know even how this came about, but apparently she was at the dentist. Like this is like in just before they raided the house. So this was in like August, let's just say of 2020. She's at the dentist with, and she's just like waiting there. And she starts talking to like another lady there and they're just chatting. Anyway, and the lady's like, oh, what do you do or whatever? And she's like, oh, I'm a financial advisor. Like, sounds pretty boring, right? And the girl's like, oh, no, like, I've got an amazing, you know, financial advisor, all this stuff. She'd given her like two, I think it was like $2 million or something. Mm. And then she's like, oh, and she had said her name, like, oh, she's from this area. And she goes, you're not talking about Melissa Caddick, are you? And the lady is like, yeah, like that. that's her. And she goes, she stole my... um." Like the, what was it, the financial, <laughs> financial license? Yeah, number. license. I've just found out that she's been using my number oh my God. and I would get my money out ASAP. Yeah. So she called Melissa and he's like, oh, I found a house. Like she pretended she was going to buy a house and asked for her money out. And obviously, Melissa was like, shit. So, so she gave her, not only did she give her the $2 million that she'd invested, she gave her like the fake money that she had said that she'd also. <laughs> Yeah, got it for her. Yes. So she paid her that plus whatever the interest or whatever it was that she had said that she'd won for, not won, but, you know, like invested Mm. for. So that lady got out in August because she had this chance like encounter with a random at a dentist. Oh, my God. I wonder if the money that she, like everything above the $2 that she gave her, like I wonder if that, if she had to give that back after all this came out. So it was obviously not legitimate. I actually wonder, I have no idea. That's such a good question. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. The um, AFP and ASIC agents that raided her house, they took like computers, hard drives, like they took everything. They took like all her designer clothes as well because it was obviously bought with fraudulent money. So her her house was like emptied pretty much, right? Um, And her son and her husband were there at the time and obviously they thought that everything was legitimate so they were obviously quite shocked when this all happened um so the following morning november the 12th 2019 melissa's son reports hearing the front door close at around 5 a.m and this is a time where melissa would usually go for like a run or a walk or whatever um so that's what he assumed that that kind of front door closing was um but she didn't take any belongings with her so she had a phone wallet and keys all at home it's reported that Melissa's husband, Anthony, didn't actually report her as a missing person for 30 hours. Um, he described her as being like shell-shocked after this whole raid happened. Um, but he says that he had no idea anything was happening. And 
didn't realise she was running any Ponzi scheme. And apparently that night when they went to bed, they didn't speak about the raid at all, which I do not believe. Yeah, that's something so dodgy. Like, you know what? I, I can see him as a bit of a, like a mimbo, like a man bimbo. Like, you know what? I, like, I <laughs> a mimbo. See- <laughs> I totally see him as that. So I understand if he's not that aware of like the money and all that sort of stuff. But once the raid actually happened, you would definitely be like, what the heck's going on? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you'd at least ask a question. Like yes. apparently they didn't speak of it at all. Yeah. Which I just don't believe. But, you know, but he claims that she was shell-shocked. So do you reckon she's like, I just want to speak about it in the morning? Like I can't speak about it right now. Yeah, or, maybe. But I feel like tech- I would, if it was me, I would like press the question. I'd be like, come on, you need to tell me what's happened. What's happening. Yeah, exactly. Especially everything gone out of your house. Yeah, exactly. Um. So in his interview like police interview I assume he was asked about like the mood and conversation in the home and like I said um he described her as being shell-shocked and that no one knew what she was up to but I don't think anyone including the police believed that I certainly don't believe that I think you'd have to have some idea um so fast forwarding after all this, three months after this raid on her house in February 2020, a group of campers were camping at Burnda Beach, which is about 400 kilometres south of Dover Heights in Sydney, and they were walking along the beach and they discovered a decomposing foot that had been severed at the ankle and it was still in a running shoe. Imagine finding that on the beach. I know what the heck. <laughs> So DNA testing confirmed that this foot was Melissa Caddick's foot um, and the police began searching for the rest of her remains. But the rest of her body has never been found to this day. Um, you know that beach that it was found at? Oh, you know that she used to go camping there when she was younger? Yeah, yeah, she, it was familiar to her. To which her, is odd. yeah. It's, it's I, yeah. weird. Um it's like some random place. Like she had actually been there before. Yeah. Which, again, makes me think that it wasn't. Because there is theories that this foot, like, travelled in the sea from yes from Dover Heights to Burnda Beach. But I think the fact that it was known to her makes me think that maybe it, wa- it wasn't naturally travelling through the ocean. It yeah. was, yeah. More sort of, I don't even know, like, place. I don't know if it's place is the right word, but. There's a reason it was there. Mm. So the police haven't been able to determine how she even entered the water, if she entered the water. And as soon as she left that the, her house at 5am, they have no idea where she went. Yes. And one yeah. of the reasons is because they, the actual people that raided her house, they took all the security cameras around her house. Like they took the hard drives and everything. So there was no cameras running. Like, do you know what I mean? Around, in or around her house. Mm, yeah. When she left that morning. So, and another thing that makes me think it was planned. Well, and you know, one of the main things, like I can get, like that's get, all right, they've, she knows in her mind they've taken all the cameras, so that's pretty lucky. But think about it. Like you said, this area is filled with very wealthy people and wealthy people usually have really good security systems like, around their homes you know what I mean yeah and the fact she hasn't been picked up on mm. any security camera yeah. leaving that property I just can't get past that no neither can I 
something weird. Like, if she's going to commit suicide, you're not going to be, like, like going in and out of bushes trying to dodge no. cameras. Exactly. Um, the police did get marine modelling done and they could determine that if she did commit suicide and, say, jumped off the cliffs at Dover Heights, it is possible that her foot could have travelled to that beach. Um, so I guess if we get into the theories now, Obviously, the first theory is that she committed suicide, that after the raid she was traumatised. Um, she couldn't live with herself, couldn't face her family. So she went to the cliffs at Dover Heights, jumped off and committed suicide. And what are you thinking about that? I don't think she would have done that. Look, honestly, it's like the most realistic if we talk about like yeah, realistic situations, that would be the most realistic. But I feel like there's definitely points that just – completely point away from that like the cameras Mm -hmm. um apparently the foot was in like not foot but like the shoe was in pretty good condition like you can actually i'll I'll post a photo like obviously the actual foot will be blurred out but the fact that the shoe's in good condition i just and it's like three months later Mm. yeah exactly yeah because if she did fall off the cliffs you know you would yeah you would think that the shoe maybe wouldn't yeah I, I agree it wouldn't have been in that type of condition and they, and I, I even read somewhere like some I don't even know I'm gonna, I was gonna say marine biologist but it's definitely not that some sea person has <laughs> said that like you would have thought there'd be like shrubs and things on the shoe and there's nothing yeah like that on there yeah yeah and another thing that I think definitely points to the not suicide thing is there's still so much money missing mm-hmm and she's embarrassed and going to commit suicide. Why wouldn't you at least say where that money was? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't think that that is a legitimate theory. Yeah. Um, so the second theory uh, is murder, and this is what her husband Anthony believes happened to her. He thinks that, like, one of her clients that was completely enraged that figured out what she was doing murdered her. Um, and then there's also a theory that maybe her Ponzi scheme was bigger than just her that she was like part of a bigger operation and that whoever she reported to or whatever murdered her. I uh, see. I don't think, I don't know if it w- would have been bigger than that, like as in like than what she was doing. But then again, obviously she was dealing with a lot of money, but I can like believe that if she did get involved with some sort of dodginess to get their money and they've like, do you know what I mean? Obviously got people like on the inside that talk, like as in like, do you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know why I've gone so blank. What are those people called that are like in the police but secretly like double double agents for like drug dealers? Oh, like know? um, undercover or yeah, um, not undercover. Oh, you know. it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, no, it's killing um, me. People are yelling at us right now. Oh, uh, like, what is it? Um, informant. Informant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So, like, if she was, you know, like, working with someone sort of like a crim, like a larger criminal, like, I don't know, entity, and they had an informant and said, listen, her house has just been raided, and then they've contacted her. You know, the phone thing really gets me as well because the fact she's left her phone and wallet and keys behind. She made the decision when she left the house that she was not going to need her phone or her keys to get back in the house. Like she knew what was happening when she left. I agree. I agree. And um, it'd be interesting to know because I don't actually know if this has come out, but did she ever take her phone with her when she 
I would, I would assume. I think, I think she did. And yeah. something else that I did look up, and from what I could find, apparently once those those um, ASIC people left, there was no other like incoming or outcoming calls on her mobile. But if she's got that much money, Lockie, as yeah. if she doesn't have a freaking dodgy phone, like a burner phone. Yeah, exactly. Which makes me, which makes me think that she could technically have a burner phone that she's communicating with someone that's a little bit dodgy also, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's either helping her or has murdered her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next theory is that she faked her own death. And this is the theory that I believe. I, the theory is that she actually severed her own foot and kind of planted it there. And she's now gone into hiding, which would explain why the, you know, the money is still missing. Um, Melissa's husband, Anthony, doesn't believe that she would be the type of person to cut off her own foot. But I also think that if he if, if he's telling the truth, there's a lot he didn't know about her. Yeah. Um, like the, the theory still can be as well that Anthony actually assisted her in doing this. So he actually knew that she was going to go into hiding, um, which I think is more likely. I think, I think he knows where she is. I see. I think it works both ways, right? So I can see where, like, I'm definitely more on this sort of theory as well because I just feel like there's more stuff that points to it. Yeah. And even, like, think about it. You'd rather cut off your foot and run off with millions than go to jail and have nothing. Exactly. That's one thing. True things. People are like, oh, like, like you know, she, she couldn't do that. She wouldn't leave her husband or her, her child or say her child over her husband, right? Yeah. She ripped off her freaking elderly parents exactly. and her brother. Yeah. Like, and all her friends. Yeah. So I feel like that already is going towards this theory. Like she obviously, she is her main priority. Yeah. Agreed. The and mo- like you said, when she left that day, she knew that she wasn't coming back. Yep. 100%. Yeah. So, I- yeah. So and also I've read heaps that she was really organized, like yeah. a really organized person. Um, and like you know, like all her shoes were in boxes with like photos taken of the shoes. Like she was just like. So I feel like if she was running this for that long, as if it hadn't crossed her mind that she sh- could get found out. And I also um read that she paid not long before she disappeared. She paid her mortgage six months in advance. Yes, and I, I can I tell you I read this somewhere like I was it a while ago, and I cannot find the article, but I read somewhere that she took out life insurance as well, mm. and before she went missing, and I'm pretty sure in that stupid underbelly, <laughs> um, in that they did mention her. She had mentioned because it's like obviously her word sort of thing that she had taken out life insurance. Yeah. Which and in this is more in the underbelly thing. They had it has actually. She said like even if I commit suicide, like do you know what I mean? The life insurance will sort of cover it. But yeah, so that makes me think again that she she seems to be planning ahead and things like that. Sorry, and one other thing again, I saw it in that underbelly, but I cannot find anything online about it. But they did mention it. And there's a weird thing to mention is when that original stuff went on with that girl taking out the money. Like I feel like she was getting a little bit like nervous and apparently she like shut down all her social media facebook and stuff like that oh yeah so, i did i did read that actually you, did you read that yeah it was in the underbelly and i thought i'd read it but again i can't find because you know sometimes i'm just reading and then i'm like where did i see that um but yeah so if she did 
shut down. Let's just say she did. This is like legit actually happened. She shut down her social media and she took out life insurance. That there, this is like, let's say three months before. That alone says it. Yes. That tells you right there. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, And then the other theory is that she's in witness protection, that during the raid she told the agents that her whole Ponzi scheme was bigger than her and she, like, dobbed in all these other, like, higher-up people and that the ASIC agents put her into witness protection. You know, the only thing, but the family probably wouldn't know, apparently her son, when he's spoken with police, he's been very calm. Okay. Um, and, like, there's, there's actually, like, interviews, like, with the police, um, like, to investigators and stuff. And they say, like, well, he is, like, a, you know, 15, 16-year-old boy, but he is quite calm. And also the husband, he does, he's not always calling, like, you know, most times if you've got, like, a missing person, that you, you're obviously, like, what are you doing to find them? Like, you know, yeah. you're in constant communication with the police and they are not, which yeah. makes me think they know something. Yeah, they know something. So you think possibly she is in witness protection? Honestly, oh, no. I, I can, I've got points that could look as in with the son and stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't think, I don't really think she was in this big mafia thing No, and she's all connected. I, I'm more, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I actually could see her cutting off her foot. Because witness, witness protection doesn't, um, like that doesn't make sense with the foot though. Like why would they put her in witness protection, but tell her she had to cut off her foot? <laughs> But you know what I was thinking? They, they, how about if it's not her foot? Yeah, like it's all fabricated, you mean? Yeah. Like how about yeah. they just got like a like somebody else's foot that's been in an accident, put it I in mean, her shoe? Yeah, possibly. Which is very far-fetched to the point where you're going to laugh, but I just finished watching Melrose Place from like the 90s <laughs> <laughs> and it ends with like Peter and Amanda sort of faking their deaths, right? Anyway, and what they did was they got like a doctor to like just change their original dental records to like someone that had already died and used their body in the fire. I know it's very, this is so far-fetched. But what I'm saying is she had that much freaking money. I had to see if it was only because originally they're like, yeah, we matched the DNA to a toothbrush. And I was like, that is a stupid, like a toothbrush and that's it. But then I read somewhere else, like in another article, they're like, no, we did use family um do you know what I mean? DNA or whatever. So, but that's what I mean. Like, it's just, ah, uh, yeah. Could she have paid someone off? And I don't know, even know how that would work, but she had freaking millions. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think witness protection. I'm still going with that she's, she's still alive and she's faked her in death. Yeah. And you know, COVID would have helped her, Lucky. Oh, yeah. Because everyone wears masks. Like, yeah. You know, like, Originally, I'm like, she will find it so freaking hard to get out of the country. That's what I was originally thinking because of COVID. Like, this happened, What it was raided in November 2020 in the foot, uh, Feb 2021, I think. Yeah, the foot was Feb 2020. Oh, no, it had to be 21. Was it? Yeah. Oh, it was? Should be Google. Yeah, let's Google. Only because I'm pretty sure it got raided during COVID. So it would have to be the, the year after. Yeah, it's it is twenty twenty one. Sorry, Nine News has said. Yeah, because she was raided in twenty twenty. Yeah, it's twenty twenty one. Yeah, I don't even know how that. Oh, no, 
You know why? Because her most profitable year was 2019. And then that's when they must have looked into it in 2020. I reckon that's what's happened. Yeah. So everyone out there, we've got the years mixed up. So she was, <laughs> she was raided in 2020 and her foot was found in 2021. Yes, that's correct. Okay. And, and that's why COVID would have actually helped her. Yeah. Because when, let's just say when she disappeared, for instance, in November 2020, she could have worn a mask and a wig. Like, who the fudge is going to know? You know what I mean? Like, everyone's wearing a mask. Everyone's covered. She could have worn, like, a hat man suit. No one would think anything of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Gary Jubelin as well, you know, he's like that detective that yes. everyone loves. He's come out and said that he thinks that she's likely dead and he doesn't believe that she acted alone in her Ponzi scheme. Interesting. So he's on the, I guess, maybe the theory that yes, she did someone, have some. Yeah. It is a lot of money. I it mean, is. technically, again, that would sort of make sense because that if that money is completely missing, and let's just say they raid her and she calls her, whoever she's working with and tells them, like, I've just been raided, this, this, and this, and they're like, meet me here at 5 a.m. I'll help you sort it. Like, we've got to sort it. And they're like, shit, like she's going to throw me under the bus. It sort of makes it, that could definitely be a theory or that's why she was murdered. But Yeah. Yeah. So since her foot was discovered, ASIC have dropped the charges against her with all the fraud and whatever. Um, and that, because they've said she's likely deceased. Um, however, a court has ruled that all of her belongings and her house and all that stuff shouldn't be sold off until it can be proven she's deceased. Mm. Um and then if she's found to be alive, criminal charges will be placed against her and she'll likely face jail time. So if she is in hiding, as if she's going to come forward now knowing that that's... Oh, she's long gone. She's in another country by now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but her company is still under, like, investigation at the time at this time now. So yeah. still obviously looking into everything that she's done. But, yeah. And you know what the thing is? Like, I feel like we're never going to know with this one unless oh. they find her or her body. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we'll ever know. Which sucks. Yeah. There is a really good – I don't know if you listen to Liar Liar. I listened to one episode. I got through one in the last few days. It's actually – it's there's they're not, I mean, extra long episodes. I feel like they're like, what, half an hour, maybe 45 minutes? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's all on the Melissa Caddy case. Obviously, they deep dive. They're only about three episodes in and they release, I think it's mon- every Monday. So if you into this story and want more information, I'd highly recommend uh, listening to that. Yeah, and it's an Aussie one. It's just done by um, one of the 60 Minutes guys, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty good. Very good. Um, but, yeah, that's the case of Melissa Caddick. So – um, things could still unravel in the news, I suppose, but for now, we don't know where she is. And her poor freaking victims, like their oh. life. It's not like it was rich people that she was ripping off. No, no. Like she was no Robin exactly Hood. Right. Yeah. She was actually, you know, like going for people that just had their life savings and that was it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so if you have a case you want us to cover, send us a message on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Caffeine Crime and Canines. Yes, and we would love uh, five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews. If you yep. don't want a five-star review, us just you can send us an email. You don't have to give us less stars. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you want us to work on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but for everyone who has rated us, we appreciate it. Uh, yes, yeah. thank you. Um, and until next week. Until next week. Bye. Bye.